Okay. Hi, this is Steve Mears, play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcasters. I'm your co-host, Mr. Neolis Bruce, and I'm joined by the talented Mr. Kobe Durand, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I'm all right, buddy. I'm all right. The uh, rehab is coming along, so nothing to complain about. Very good. I, I trust we'll see you on the golf course very shortly. <laughs> no, that, that may not happen this year. <laughs> well, it'll be good to see you up and running shortly in any case. That's right. And someone who is up and running and out and about is a gentleman who is very recognizable to the hockey community in Canada. And he's going to tell us a little bit more about the sport as well as some of what he's been doing outside of hockey, and some other initiatives. But without any further ado, it is the one and only Mr. Carl Subin. <laughs> Carl, how are you? Very good. I'm great. I'm fantastic, and it's awesome to be here with you tonight. Indeed. It's a pleasure to have you on. Now, Carl, we both have a number of questions that we want to ask, but before we get into any of that, tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself. Carl Subin got to be where he is today, if you don't mind. <laughs> well, it's, um, you know, my I was born in Jamaica and, and uh, my parents came to Canada in the early 70s. This is our 54th year in Canada. Uh, we had uh, moved to Sudbury, Ontario, mining town. The summer I turned 12 and, you know, and I lived on a street called Peter Street because everybody wants to know how I got to where I am today. But anyway, so I'll go back, I'll make it short. So lived on Peter Street. I remember getting up one day, didn't like the way it looked outside. It didn't look like Jamaica. Uh, another day when I looked outside, I didn't see anyone who looked like me. I didn't want to go out there. Another day I heard kids speaking outside and I asked my mom and dad, what are they saying? They said, we don't know they're speaking French. Anyway, I had to go to school and I had the best teacher ever. He saw me, valued me. And, but I still had to walk home every day. And one day those kids who didn't look like me and we were speaking a different language, but they invited me to play hockey with them. You know, think about it. They could have turned on me. They could have turned their backs to me. They could have called me all so many names. But they were bigger than that. They were more than that. They were greater than that. They gave me an invitation to play with them. And I think that's why we're having this conversation today. They were helpful, not hurtful. And so I've been living my life in that spirit of being helpful to others, not hurtful. That's a beautiful thing. And as part of that, you went into the field of education. Yes. Was that something you always wanted to do? You know, like most young people, um, I didn't know uh, what I wanted to do. I didn't even know who I wanted to be or become. So, but I had a dream. I had a dream 
uh, to play basketball in the NBA. So I went to Lakehead University. And it didn't take me long to realize that, Carl, you're not going to make the N NBA being a six foot three center. <laughs> you're not going to make it. But anyway, while I was there, we worked at the basketball clinics. We would run on, you know, in, in, on Saturdays in the spring, and I stayed there in the summer. And guess what? I learned something about myself that I loved working with kids, and they loved working with me. And so that's where the seed was planted in me to bring that teacher out. And so here I am, I'm still going at it. Uh, in my 30 plus years of uh, working in schools with young people, helping them to reach their potential. That's awesome. And congratulations on, on that. Now, I know Kobe, with his background and also his connection to education, has many a question to ask. I'm going to pass it to him right now. All right. Yeah, Carl, my mother is from Jamaica, so I have Jamaican heritage. And you're actually the second person we've had on this show that immigrated from Jamaica to Sudbury, of all places. Wow. We had Robert Esme on the show, a Ooh. gold medalist, right, with yeah. Team Canada, 4x100. And he grew up in Sudbury as well. And he had, in fact, he moved back to Sudbury after everything was said and done because he just loved it that much there. And obviously, you, you think highly of it as well. It's oh, kind of odd to think of Jamaicans emigrating to Sudbury of all places. But w what attracted you, other than being invited to play, what attracted you to, to the ice? Well, what attracted me was that invitation was so big because uh, it gave me a dream. I wanted to be Ken Dryden. It, I made some new friends and it gave me something to do. And so I made a really, I made, I, I sort of forged a friendship uh, with this young man who loved to play hockey and he played. I used to go watch him play. Would also go to the Sudbury Wolves games at the Sudbury Arena. You know, the Sudbury Wolves played in the, uh, plays in the Ontario Hockey League. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching Wayne Gretzky and many NHL stars played there. And so that's, it, the love grew. I remember seeing Mike Marzin, you know, the second back player uh, who played in the NHL. He was a captain of the Sudbury Wolves. So, he gave me a reason to go to the arena to watch hockey. And because I was so immersed in it, it sort of, that love for it grew and grew and grew. And, you know, and, and that's how it developed. And I know I couldn't play because I came here way too late. Uh, but that love and that uh, for this sport remained there. And, and when I had kids, that's one thing I taught them to do uh, after teaching them how to read and write. <laughs> They had to learn how to skate. <laughs> now, when raising your kids, where, where were you living at the time then? Uh, Toronto. Okay. And so Toronto doesn't have the the strongest sort of uh, developmental hockey programs. You generally got to go outside of that. I know your kids played in Belleville, correct? Yes. So how did they end up there? Like, well, what was it that led you to Belleville? Uh, obviously, you know, they were good enough to be drafted, you know, and, 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 and so the one thing that we, the boys started playing early, um, and I was really big on, you know, growing their skills, like skating and shooting pucks. And, and we did that and, and, and they, they wanted to do it and they did it and they wanted to do it and they did more of it and they wanted to do more of it. <laughs> And, and then you can see they wanted to play more than their dad wanted them to play. And, and, and it became a dream in them. 
but they never stopped growing their skills. And, and you could see that love for the sport grew in them too. And, and so I'm not surprised that all three of them were drafted because they were always, they were always probably the best players on their teams growing up. Okay. You know, starting at four years of age, which they started playing, they're all, I mean, they could skate and, and zig and zag with the puck up the ice, like, and their confidence grew because they, because they, they had such good skill set at a young age, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and it, you probably, I don't know if you'd ask me this, but, you know, Marie and I, we were always with them, you know what I mean? I, I never said, PK, go and shoot pucks in the basement. Or Malcolm Jordan, go and stick handling. You know, either mom or dad was there with them all the time. We skated as a family. You know, we didn't ski. We didn't swim as a family. <laughs> you know, we didn't go jogging as a family. You know what we did? We skated as a family from the backyard rink to the outdoor rinks around Toronto. And, you know, and that's how they got to Belleville. There's, there's more there, obviously. And they had, they played on great teams. They played with great players like PK played with Steven Stankos, the mm -hmm. captain of Tampa Bay and 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 Chris Tanev for Calgary Flames. And PK and Steven were playing together when they were five or six. They had great coaches along the way because, as you know, it takes a, a village to raise an NHLer, you know. Um, but anyway, I know it's, it's a long answer to a good question. Sorry. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. We got time. Yeah. I we got time and we got questions, so don't worry, Kyle. You keep doing you, and we'll keep doing us, and we'll make it a great conversation. Our listeners are going to learn a lot. All right. Now, you, you touched on how you and Marie raised your three sons in hockey, and not only that, this actually manifests itself into a book called How We Did It, The Subin Plan for Success. Yes. I love reading books by our guests, so I'm going to make sure I get a copy of this. Tell us a little bit more about that, if you don't mind. Well, yeah. Great question. So, you know, the boys, like once PK was drafted to uh, OHL, then it was Malcolm, it was Jordan. We started to get a lot of attention, not only the boys, but mom and dad. And then uh, PK made world, he was drafted by the Canadians and made world juniors. Malcolm started to play well for the Bulls, drafted by the Bruins in the first round. Jordan was a first-round pick by the Bulls in the OHL, drafted in the fourth round to Vancouver. And, and so that gave us a lot of attention. And so people saw me as someone who probably knew a little bit about helping children to succeed and to achieve their dreams. So they always asked me, you know, how did you guys do it? <laughs> so we wrote the book. Uh, um, you know, to answer that question about how we did it. That's how it came about. I, Like I said, if I was given a dollar for every time I was asked that question, uh, you know, I, I'd probably be in Jamaica sitting on the beach um, sipping <laughs> a pina colada right now. Um, and so, but a, a quick story around that. It's, it's safe for me to tell it. So I remember one time I was, um, there's one guy who didn't ask me how we did it. He wanted me to do something else. Uh, I remember Jordan's draft year. We're at the Herb Carnegie Arena, and, and everyone should know about Herb, Herb Carnegie. Mm -hmm. And and so we're at the Herb Carnegie Arena, and, and it was Jordan's draft year. I remember getting my popcorn, best best popcorn there. You can smell it a mile away, you know. I got the popcorn. I'm going to my seat. 
there's a crowd. I saw someone I, I, I recognize. Hi, Carl, how you doing? I'm walking away now because I'm nervous. The scouts are there. You know, they also observe the parents. You know, they're there to see the kids on the ice, but they want to see how the parents are interacting and how, how they are. They want to just check out their behavior. So I'm making my way. This gentleman followed me out of that crowd, and he says, Mr. Subban, Mr. Subban. I want you to do me a favor. I'm saying, geez, you know, I'm thinking, you know, he wants me to give him give him some tips and so on and 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 shooting or whatever. What I can't, you know. And he said, he whispered, he pulled me closer, he says, Listen, I'll I'll pay you to make a baby with my wife. And I, I said, you, what? You know <laughs> what I mean? So 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 yeah, some How people much? How ask much? me, um <laughs> uh, I, I I I never I, I never because if you know, if you know Maria, I, I mean, um, I, I don't know if I didn't answer it the right way. I, I, I'm not sure how much, how much time I would have left on this earth. Okay, um, and and that's a true story. And 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 you know, when I think about that story, I think about, uh, you know, because some people think that you have it all in your genes, and and our genes give us some advantages, obviously, but. Uh, it also the environment and 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 what we do with the potential that we all came into this world with, and I love that story. Uh, we it, it, it's it's about you know it makes people laugh, but I also try to get the the message across that that you know we're all born with potential, which gives us the ability to achieve and to develop and to grow and 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 to achieve and to have success. You know, it's it's it's. You know, we're not our, our our genes are not our destiny. You know what I mean? And 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 we're not a prisoner uh, to our genes because, you know, obviously I was born in Jamaica. Maria was born in Montserrat. If there is such a thing as a hockey gene, uh, we weren't born with it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we didn't have uh, the hockey genes to pass on to them. You know, and and uh, having working with young people, I I and and speaking to parents a lot a lot of times there are many every time i speak to, with young people and parents educators i always um i don't always tell that story but i will always uh, speak to them about potential and 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 the power of potential and why it's so important to believe in it and 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 um and and it's the foundation of our achievement and successes so anyway now, Carl, I'll, I'll meet you along the way there because potential is important, but you are a man of many talents, by the way. I just want to throw that out there because you're not only an educator, you've not only raised three sons that have played in the NHL, but you also speak, as you've mentioned, you speak to children and you speak as a mentor and a public speaker. Now, in one of your speeches recently, you've touched on the fact that, saying with this idea of potential, that, that dreaming big is good, but it's not very helpful unless you have the dedication and hard work to go along with it. I think that's powerful because there's no such thing as an overnight success. Every overnight success had blood, sweat, and tears. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? You heard me speaking about potential, and that's what I was speaking about. And I often tell people what potential looks like in my mind. It's like a, a stool with three legs. Just imagine this, and I want the audience listening, I want you to draw a stool with three legs in your mind. Just draw it. The seat and the three legs. On that seat, write the word potential. All right? So it has three legs. One leg is for your dream. I call it the dreamer's leg. The second leg is your, I call it the believer's leg. It's your belief. 
And then the third leg is your doing or your action leg. And, and everyone is a stool, by the way. Everyone is a stool. Everyone came into this world with potential. So you have a stool. If the legs of your stool uh, are not there, they go missing because you don't have a dream. You know, your stool will not work to its full potential and you will not work to your potential. Our lives are so much better and richer when we have dreams, big dreams and goals that we're working towards. The second leg, I call it the belief system. Because as you, as you move to reach your goals and dreams, you're going to be faced with obstacles and, and challenges. For example, let me, I like to share this one with young people especially. So PK was 9 or 10. He was in the Silver Stick Hockey Tournament. And I remember, I'll, I'll make the story short. He was coming out. I'm waiting for him in the foyer of the arena. And I, he didn't look right that day. He didn't look like the PK that I know. He was looking as if something had died in him. Anyway, we got to the car. He was in there. I gave him some time to relax. And he finally told us what had happened. The coach had told him, PK, you will never make it in hockey. And you will never go as far as I did. All right. And so why did PK, how come he played 13 years in the NHL? 13 years he played. Because he believed in himself a lot more than he believed in what that coach was telling him. Mm-hmm. So it's so important to strengthen that belief that we have in our, in our abilities. I always tell people, and young people especially, believe in your potential. Believe in your potential. It was your gift at birth. And, and when, you're, when you're working to realize it, it becomes your gift to the world. What a present, what a, what a gift to the world. And, and, so, and, and, and as you go through stuff in life, you strengthen that leg of your stool. You got to go through something to make it stronger. It's like going to the gym and doing weights. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so the more arm curls you do, the stronger the muscle becomes. And belief, your belief system is like a muscle that needs to be strengthened. So you know what? Whether you're an adult or you're a child, you got to go through stuff. You can't protect them from everything, parents. The third leg is the action leg. Listen, if you have this big dream and you don't make it actionable, all you're doing, a lot of people have said it way before I'm about to say it, you're daydreaming. You're daydreaming. You got to make your dream actionable. So let me tell you what my, the boys did. I call it the four T's, okay? That action leg, the third leg. Remember, the first one is the dream leg. Mm-hmm. Then you have the belief leg. And then you have the action leg. Dreamers, believers, and doers. The third leg uh, is the action leg. You got to make your, your dream actionable. And I use the four T's. And let's use PK as an example. The first T is time. Can you imagine you want to be a hockey player, NHL hockey player, you don't make time? The first T. The second T, your hockey tasks. You got to do your hockey task. <laughs> you got to skate. You got to shoot pucks. You got to stick handle. You got to skate with the puck. You got to learn how to take a body check and how to give one. There's, you know what I mean? So you, you got to make time to do your tasks. And the third T is training. Who gets better overnight? No one has gotten better. You get better over time. And Malcolm Gladwell wrote about the 10,000-hour rule. Mm -hmm. I've always said PK skated 
10,000 hours by the time he was at 12 years of age. You got to train. You know, training makes you better. You know, you got to train if you want to get better. No one gets better overnight. You know, you don't get better by sitting on your couch. I remember when PK used to run the hills. There's a Centennial Park. It's in Etobicoke here in, in, in Toronto here, you know, uh, in the old city of, of Etobicoke. Yeah, I know it. And we'd, yeah, we'd go there and run the hills. And I remember when we were running the hills, I tried to motivate him. And I says, PK, there's a kid in Russia who wants what you want. But guess what he's doing, PK? Is you're running, he's sleeping. There's a kid in Sweden who wants what you want, PK, to make the NHL, but he's on the couch watching TV. There's a kid in Sault Ste. Marie, PK, who wants what you want, but he's walking the mall, you know? And, and so, you, you know, you got to make time to do those tasks and you got to train, all right? And, and sometimes you have to inspire them. And by the way, while I'm talking about that, people ask me, Carl, did you push them? Did you push them? Did you push them? I was going to ask you that, actually. Did anyone okay. ever, did anybody ever challenge your way of raising them? So Maria said that, um, uh, I, I always said, Maria and I pushed them around more in the baby carriage than we pushed them to skate or to play hockey. Because we found it, the, the secret is to inspire them. You got to inspire them. But I've never met a young person who did not need a little bit of pushing. <laughs> but if you're pushing them every day, you're going to get tired of it and he's going to get tired. We got to find a way to inspire it. And, and, and I'll talk about that in a second. Let me tell you about, I'll, t- I'll tell you how I think that, that I, we were able to do it. And by the way, no one gave us a manual on parenting how to make a hockey player, okay? And no one gave me a 1-800 number to call, right? So you, you have to have an open mind. How is Carl getting better as a leader? How is he getting better as a parent? How is he getting better as an educator? Do you want Carl teaching your son or running your child's school and he's not getting better as a leader or, or as an educator? Anyway, so we have the four T's, the action, time, make time, do the task training, and the fourth T is team. You got to be a good teammate. You got to be a good classmate. When the Montreal Canadiens were drafting PK, they went to his secondary school, Quinty Secondary in Belleville, and they did their homework. They even came to my house. I remember the day I was on the 401 and PK called me and says, Dad, 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 guess who's coming over to see us? Come on, PK, I don't know. And he's laughing. And oh, the Montreal Canadiens, I go, what? Because, you know, PK is a prankster, you know, but they did come. And so, <laughs> and, and they wanted to know the type of person PK, what's he like? And they interviewed all the people in Belleville. So the four T's are important to that third leg. And you know what? As a young person, as an adult, you want to make sure all the legs of your stool are in place and they're strong. Because when legs are missing from that stool, the stool doesn't work to its full potential. And as a person, if you don't have a dream, if you're not strengthening that belief in your potential, and you're not making your dream actionable, you're not being intentional about doing the things you need to do, you know what I mean? You're not going to reach the destination you want for yourself. Are you ready to stay fit this winter? Get off the couch with Kettlebell Kickboxing Canada. Sign up now to the Mobility and Movement Program. Use the code PSP15 to get 15% off the one-time purchase of the program. Then it's yours forever. No additional subscriptions or fees. Program is available worldwide. Now, back to the show. Raising kids is not easy. 
And I, I'm going to say this to your audience there. My kids make me look a lot better than I really am as a parent. And I know most parents will say the same thing. You know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, there's no training. There's no manual. Because I mean, there are times when Malcolm will be in the basement. He's with uh, Rochester Americans now. And they're playing against Hershey Bears in the conference finals. I don't know if you're aware of it, but they are. Mm-hmm. Tied 1-1. And so there's Malcolm in the basement. He has his his goal equipment on and he's making these imaginary saves. Jordan is upstairs in the hallway. He's got the laundry basket by the front door. And, you know, he had great hands in Belleville as a defenseman. George George Burnett, the coach and GM, would use him in the shootouts. He had great hands because he was there in the hallway flipping just whatever he had. He, he was using his puck into his, into his net. There was PK always sitting, taping his stick. Now, I never told Malcolm to go in the basement and put on your pads and make these imaginary saves. I didn't tell Jordan, Jordan, you know, for the next two hours, I want you to stick handling in the hallway. Or PK, I want you to sit there and just practice taping your stick. And so how did that happen? How did that happen? I think the most important thing was we spent a lot of time with them. You know, whether it was skating together or reading, time with our children is what stays in them and stays with them and it inspires them. Your kid wants to know that you care about them. When they were shooting pucks, or my daughters, they were, and I have two daughters, by the way, played basketball. I did the same thing, and we did the same thing. That I, We did the same thing with them. Time with them. And also, giving them your unconditional love and emotional support. It must be unconditional. They need to know you care about them, and you love them, and you support them. That's That's got to be there every day. Every day. And then the third thing is, listen, PK, Malcolm and Jordan, Nastasia and Natasha knew daddy's look. My dad would give me that look. I never had to ask, dad, what are you thinking? <laughs> so then they, they knew what the word no, what it meant. They knew what the word no meant. There's some things obviously I could have done better as a parent, but there are certain things that I, I know that Marie and I were on the right track with. We want them to be good in school but also to be good at, at other things. We wanted them to be good in school, but also to be good at other things. And the younger they can start, the better. One of the things that bothers me today, I take my grandkids now and I taught them all how to skate. I have four of them. And I'll go to the rink and I'll step on the ice and I'll see there's, it might be a grandfather and a son or a grandfather and a daughter. And I, I'm already on my 10th lap. and that person is still there instructing that child. I'm glad I didn't know enough about the skills to teach them anything. (laughs) And I'm glad they never watched me skate or else they wouldn't have made it as far as they did. You know, uh, I really enjoyed that time with them and and skating and and shooting pucks and stick handling. I, I didn't coach them a lot. You know, it wasn't about coaching them because Maria told me one time, Carl, Carl, I want you to listen to this. Are you listening? I said, yes. Well, look at me. I said, okay. I looked at She said, Carl, the boys need Carl the dad more than they need Carl the hockey dad. So sometimes we need that reminder. What a great lesson for all the hockey parents out there, you know. And what that taught me was this. You know what it taught me? And I'm going to get back to inspiring them again. It taught me that 
when I looked at PK, Malcolm, and Jordan, because we're talking about the hockey players, what it taught me was, Carl, you better see that person in the body. There's a person there. And you got to see that person more than you see the hockey player in that body. And by the way, I always say, the dad sees the person, the hockey dad only sees the hockey player. <laughs> but anyway, and, and so you got to see that there's a, there's a person in that body who has feelings, who has needs, who has dreams, and so on and so forth. So time with them, giving them your love and unconditional support. They need to know, they've got to be boundaries. There are boundaries, you know, and, and I'm sorry, but you know what? Um, you know, mom and dad are running the show. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and then the last thing was finding the resources to help them to, to go where they wanted to go and to be who they wanted to be and to become who they wanted to become. And there's a story around that because PK started out using used equipment for a long time. He just needed a stick. It didn't matter if it was new or wooden. He just needed a skate. It didn't matter if it was new. <laughs> we have a picture of home of all three boys wearing the same Mississauga Senators hockey pants. You'd think, oh, they all played for them. No, they never did. It just had the pants, you know. And, and so we sort of spent a lot of time with them and encouraging them and growing their skills. And here's a, an important thing. I learned that winning wasn't playing games and winning was secondary to them practicing and training. One, my one piece of advice, you know, I really don't believe kids really don't get better playing. You do if you're playing shinny. You know what shinny is, right? You go out on the outdoor rink and you have uh, 20 kids out there and they got one puck, you know what I mean? And 20 kids and trying to stick. I, I mean, I, I love that. You know, when the boys were younger, uh, it was training, uh, and practicing were more important than playing. I didn't really care too much how they played in their games. And I think sometimes parents have it reverse. I think you're right. All their energy. And I, I, I had to learn that, by the way. And if someone would have told me that, I'm saying, ah, gee, you don't know what you're talking about. But I, I'm so happy I learned that lesson at, at a very, very early in the boys' developmental uh, hockey uh, stage. Yeah, and that's that's so important. I, I feel like that may even be a, a North American thing with my international perspective that sometimes some parents maybe go a little bit too hard with trying to accelerate the development rather than, as you say, letting them develop themselves and also inspiring them a little bit. Now, yeah. just to further the point of inspiration, you raised three sons that played professionally. Before them, we had Grant Fur. Mm -hmm. Before him... We had Willie O'Ree, and as you mentioned, the ultimate name before Herbert Carnegie, who is the reason why the three of us are here today, because through the Carnegie Initiative, the three of us met in person over the winter. And if yes. you don't already know, Carnegie Initiative does great things, not only in hockey, but just across uh, sport in Canada. Definitely check them out. Bernice and the team do a great job. And also read Bernice's biography about Herb. It's very enlightening but Carl the question I wanted to ask was how important was it to have role models like that people that look like your sons how important was that for them as they were developing uh, it was really important one of the first I mean I picked up books to read to my kids before we picked up the hockey sticks okay I want everyone to know that right 
But one of the first book I gave to PK that I felt he needed was A Fly in the Pail of Milk by Herb Carnegie. That was so important. He also trained with Mike Marzen. That was so important. Willie O'Ree is a big part of our story too. You know, I'm also part of the Future Aces Foundation. I'm on the, I'm a director. I'm on their board too. But all those those players, their story helped my boys to write their own story. So let me let me explain. Let me explain because it, it needs an explanation. So if PK Malcolm or Jordan came home one day, which they never did, uh, to complain, they came home. You know, they came home. They lived with us, but. To complain about how th hard things were, <laughs> I would say, listen, if I'm able to, I, I would love for you to speak to Willie O'Ree. If I'm able to, I'd love for you to speak to Herb Carnegie. If I'm able to, I'd love for you to speak to Mike Marson, and so on and so forth. And so they were able to do it. Guess what? It told me that you too can do it. But you're gonna have to persevere because you know, you know, we know Herb's story, and and if you don't mind me telling this story, Willie's story when he told his brother he wants to have a hockey career, says, "Are you willing to put up with all the stuff you're gonna face?" Yeah, he says, "Yeah, yeah." You know, as parents, you know, we're there to to protect our kids. Their their health and well-being is number one, and there are times when you can't sit on the sidelines. You know what I mean? There, and there are times when I've made some mistakes with the coaches. And so, but that's the way it is sometimes because you you got to know when uh, it's too much for your child. But on the other hand, you know, they have to go through certain things to make it because I really believe that PK made it and played 13 years in the NHL because it wasn't so much his skill set was better than all these other kids. I think what he was able to do was to use all that stuff that he went through mm -hmm. uh, and, and use it as fuel. You know, he was stronger than the strongest piece of iron in that whatever, in the junkyard, you know, he's, he's, he's a strong kid. He was the diamond that was, that was forged. Yeah, he... On the roughness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he saw himself as a hockey player and he knew that he could do almost anything on the ice and he, he did it from a young age and and he, he adopted as he moved up but he was also a good student and also he had people who believed in him and so on it, it's really it's not just your skills or your talent it's also having people around you want to give you an opportunity who believe in you and and it's also your ability to persevere and learn and and not lose that spirit because things are not always going to be great absolutely yeah, Carl, one, one more question for me before we start to wrap things up. But you had mentioned a number of times already about how you feel people have to go through something, face some form of adversity to really come out greater on the other side. What's the greatest piece of adversity you've had to face? Uh, the greatest piece of adversity I had to face, um, you know, that's a very good question. And I just shared that one there when the coach had told PK, you'll never make it. You'll never make it as far as I did. And, and that taught me a lot about believing in your potential and your abilities and not being distracted by anything or anyone. The other uh, 
you know, and, and there, there are a lot of stuff along the way. You know, the, the one thing is um, just thinking, yeah, just go, even just going through minor hockey, you know, and, and sometimes the journey is, is very lonely for you and your kid, mm-hmm. you know, for, for many reasons. Um, but that, you know what? Most of, the, most of my experience, it was mostly good because I think that we developed the right mindset. Because you know, you know why I'm going to tell you why it's so important? We would never forget why we were on that hockey journey. It was really to play at the highest level. Okay. So that dream, so that, it's good. Let, me, let me answer this question this way. That dream never became smaller than the obstacles that was in front of us. It was always bigger than anything that we were facing. And it, it was able to put everything into perspective. No, understandable. No, it makes total sense, actually. Total sense, Carl. Yeah. Now, staying in the vein of dreams, but shifting gears slightly, would you say that the the current generation of kids requires more inspiration than, say, when you got into the education sphere 30 years ago? That's a good question. That's a very, very good question. Um, I just think the world is so different today than it was 30 years ago. The free time I had to roam to do the things that kids should have the opportunity to do, kids can't do that today. You know, it's so so different today. Everything is so organized, so scheduled. Kids don't have a lot of free time or downtime. And so um, it's just that times are so different today. You know, the, the biggest challenge that most kids had 30 years ago was peer pressure. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Peer pressure was like, we, you know, they always talked about it. Peer pressure and, you know, bullying was there, but it was peer pressure. And today, you know, look at it. You know, yeah. social media. Like how many, is it one out of four or two out of four young people? Two out of four are overly stressed. And they say, you know, the increase in this anxiety and depression, it came about, the rise in it came about, at the same time that the smartphone <laughs> and social media came into um, came into our lives, so it it is so different today. It is so so different. So do kids need more inspiration? Now, I'm going to tell you what kids they need. They can never get enough love and care. And you know what? They need everyone around them. Their parents, their educators, the coaches, to see the person in that body before they even see the student and before they see that hockey player, baseball player, football player. There's a person in there who has needs and dreams and wants and feelings. And we need to recognize that. And we don't recognize it enough. So many young people today are growing up don't even know who they are. And didn't even know who they want to be because we're telling them who they should be. <laughs> Correct. And how they should do everything. So there's no sense of self. So we don't have enough time to talk about it, but, but, um, you Next know, time. but yeah, yeah. Let's just love them. Just love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. You can never love, you can't love them too much. For sure. For sure. Now, just quickly before we let you go, you have uh, started an initiative over the winter and the spring, I guess, touching on this, the idea of the rise of social media and smartphones. One thing we have seen in Canada is, the rise of gambling ads uh, and 
that's obviously struck a chord with yourself. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Well, I'm in a group that's campaigning to ban ads for gambling. And if you want to know more about it, you know, you got to go to banadsforgambling.ca. Listen, most Canadians, I, I, it was 48% in, in, um, in, I believe, in January who felt that the volume of, of advertising is excessive and needs to be cut back. That has to do with sports gambling. You know, it's, it's in our faces. It's there on the sides of buses and billboards. And every time you, 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 you sit down to watch a hockey game and, and, and the, these ads come on, the volume of ads are too many. And plus they're using these celebrities and superstar athletes who have great power and influence over these young people who love them. And so if my superstar athlete is gambling and promoting it, it must be good, so I should do it too. And so we know that gambling is not good for young people, it's not good for adults, and we know that the younger generation are dabbling in it, and too many of them are in it, and they're going to find it difficult to get out of it. And you know what? It's going to get in the way of them realizing their potential. Gambling's not good. We can't stop it. We want to restrict the volume of ads. Uh, we want to say, stop using these superstar athletes and celebrities because they're leaders and leaders influence. We love our celebrities. We love our hockey superstars. But I don't want our kids to love them in those ads. That's fair. That's fair enough. Yeah, it sounds a lot like, uh, like what happened with smoking a number of years back. Yeah, yeah. Where at one point it was absolutely everywhere being promoted by everything and then the regulators stepped in. And that's what you're looking to achieve, right, Carl? Yeah. And, and here, if a kid is smoking and I'm standing at the front door of the school, they're walking and I know he's smoking. If a kid was drinking, they walk by me, I know that kid's drinking. Or you can tell by the way they're walking, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? But when the gambling starts, you might not know about it until it becomes a really big problem. Okay, and that it's it's and it's it's in our faces, it's in their faces, and we don't want it to get in them. Oh, for sure, one hundred. Yeah, that's that's salient points raised there. And Carl, where can we find you personally on social media? I'm starting now to get in the social media game because um, uh, you know I am a certified coach. I want to help people to to grow their potential and you do so by becoming uh, a better leader for yourself first so i want to help more young people i want to help more adults i want to work all those people working with 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 our students i want to work with those people who are working with our athletes i want to work with those parents who are there raising our children i want to work with those people who just want to be a better leader because you know what I've never met a follower who realized his or her potential. It takes leadership. And everyone was born with potential, and everyone needs to become the leader they need to be to realize their full potential. So I will be getting back to you guys with some social media information early June. Okay. All right, we're going to hold you to that. I'm sure we'll have you back on the show in the future. So it's definitely been a pleasure to have you on and we appreciate your insights. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. 
For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience, where no sport is left behind.